Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about tablet tipping for counter service, a reflection on the shortest date ever, how to recover from assuming someone has a child when they don't, and pool owners wanting to know how to pool host. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on Sunday dinner. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, you can listen to your ads-free version of the show by downloading it at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. Your extra question of the week is about when to begin yard work so you don't bother the neighbors. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I couldn't stop last night. What was happening? (laughs) Well, it all started when a package arrived at the office for Dan that he would not let me open for him because he was working from home yesterday after we recorded the podcast. And Dan knows full well that I cannot sit in a room with packages or presents or wrapped things that have some kind of surprise inside them to save my life, whether it be for me or other people. So I was like, can I open it? I'll FaceTime you. We could do this. And he's like, no, no, suffer. Every (laughs) once in a while, you get a big cousin prerogative to torture your little cousin cousin. is that what was going on oh really a package for me and you're there and you could just open it tell me what's in it i'll get to it tomorrow so i went home i went for my run i'm back to running it feels not great that time but i know i'm glad i did it good work i got home and i ordered one of those like storage you know like the cube organization storage things with like bins and things like that so that i can organize all my knitting supplies you had your own package i did i had my own package but it was like it was big and heavy and there was a lot of it there were like three boxes with all different things and i was going to need a lot of screws and you know cam locks and things like that and so i was sitting there was so exhausted after this run and i couldn't help it i started like unpacking everything and the room it's going into like it was a project room that has like a whole bunch of stuff in it that needed to get cleaned out it was partial storage I ended up, like, not eating dinner till like, 11 o'clock at night. I got it all put together, stored away, organized and everything. But I could not stop myself and just rest and go sleep in my Casper bed. This needed to happen. And no matter how many times I tried to sit in the living room and, like, relax or stretch or just take a break or go take a shower, it didn't work. I had to get these things dealt with. I kind of like that feeling sometimes. That obsessive feeling. Where it's just the, the next thing and the next, just one more, just yeah. one more, oh, just one I more. if I just, then it'll be. Yeah, yeah. Did you start putting stuff on it? Did yeah, you start no, like, deorganizing? It wasn't just like, the assembly. My yarn is organized by color right now. Probably it'll be 
organized by type in a future setting. And I got so I have like a lot of um, blank stationary stuff and a lot of stamping sets that I make my own like stationary and cards for people with. So those all have their places. My sewing stuff has its place. Like very cool uh, paints and markers <laughs> and wrapping supplies. All my ribbons and raffia and all that kind of stuff has its place. <laughs> I feel more projects in your future. Do you? Gosh. Well, well, we'll see what happens after my vacation, after your vacation. <laughs> that's the thing about an organizing project. All of a sudden, your your tools are at hand. It's it kind true. of facilitates that next wave of projecting. You find things and you know where to put them away, which is something I'm not very good at. Do you remember our grandfather and the way he would wrap presents? That he would I... line up the seams oh, on yes, wrapping paper. my father does it too. <laughs> I, I delighted in... The precision of his wrapping. He would frame pictures for our grandmother, and he was a similar kind of projector. No, he was a similar kind of projector, but I, however, totally unlike you, did, didn't notice it with Poppy as much because I was too busy going, oh my gosh, there's a wrapped present. I need to open it. Like, I need to tear, tear it open, see what it is. Okay, we know what it is. <laughs> like... And now we're full circle. I can't wait to get to the office. Maybe I should let you open the package that you've no, been so patiently it's yours, waiting on. It's yours, but I will excitedly watch. And then maybe on our next episode, we can tell you what was in it. <laughs> in the meantime. In the meantime. We have a show to do. We do have a show to do. Let's get to it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. And if you're a sustaining member, please remember to put sustaining member in the subject line or body of the email. You can also leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or please find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners, 
it's manners with an S, to save $10 on your first purchase. And now, back to our show. Our first question today is about tablet tipping. Hi, thank you for the awesome podcast. I have learned so much and look forward to your podcast every week. I have a tipping question. There seems to be a trend in many casual dining restaurants these days where you select and order your food at a counter and you pay on an iPad-type device in front of a cashier and the device asks you if you want a tip and provides several tip amount options to add to your food order. These restaurants are generally ones that are so casual that most would consider them borderline fast food. Someone may bring the food to you after you order at the counter, but you are then expected to take your tray and dishes to the trash or a receptacle and clean up after yourself. Is a tip really expected or warranted at these types of establishments? I've been tipping a small amount because the cashier is standing there watching me complete the transaction and it is awkward. However, I don't feel that a normal 15 to 20% tip is warranted in these types of casual restaurants. Could you provide some thoughts and feedback? Stacy? Totally hear you, Stacy. You are not alone in this. You are also not alone in standing there and feeling awkward when you shouldn't have to. And that's the big thing I want to get across. When it comes to these type of counter service situations, um, whether they bring the food to you, whether you bust your own plates, whether they bust the plates, however it works at this particular establishment, if it's not a sit-down served meal in that kind of, you know, server comes, takes your order, Goes away back to the kitchen, places brings it, the brings food, the clears food. Clears the food, checks in with you, tops your water. If it's not that type of situation, it's completely discretionary whether you leave a tip or not at all. Don't feel pressured by the prompt to leave a tip. You can also select the other amount. I usually do that and put a dollar on the order myself, or I'll use my change and use the tip jar that I often see at the counter as well for people who are paying cash. My first job was at exactly this type of place. You placed an order at the counter. We made your food. We actually brought it out to you. I did get paid minimum wage at that job. And while tips were great in the jar... When I was at the cash register, I was never sitting there hoping to see someone drop a five. I mean, yes, of course, you'd be happy if someone dropped a fiver in there. But, like, it wasn't the kind of situation where I was expecting for that to happen every single time. I was expecting for the patron to pay for their food and then to go sit down and wait for me to bring it to them. But that was the expectation in my head. And whatever tips we made at the end of the day were collective and they were split among all of us. And that's some it sometimes. Sometimes that goes by shift. Sometimes that goes by day. But I really would love for people to feel more confident that the tip is really up to them and that this is something you shouldn't feel judged by anyone for. And if you do feel like someone judges you or you feel they give you the stink eye or they make a comment or something, let that be their problem. You know, you're there to get lunch and you're there to go sit down. And it's really up to you whether you choose to leave a tip in this situation. I have a default of about a dollar of a tip per transaction like this. If I'm getting a coffee or something like that that's only a dollar twenty-five, I don't leave a dollar tip. It's up to you. I would definitely feel confident that most Americans, especially based on our American tipping preferences these days, don't think that this type of food service warrants a 20% or higher tip. I'm a big fan of that custom amount button also. I think of it as my friend in those situations. It lets you treat that tip as a real gratuity. I think of it as a European-style gratuity where you can give a little something extra. And sometimes that other option 
is almost feels like it's hidden. It's like you have the very obvious option oh, of tipping a certain percentage, but to find that other amount, you get used to scanning for it and finding it. And for a cup of coffee, oftentimes for me, it's that same change that I would round up with if I was paying with cash. It's 25 cents. Be careful about the decimal points. Yes. <laughs> but like you, I also default for a, a lunch order, a real food order to probably a dollar or two, but it, it definitely not a full 15, 20% table service tip. Cuz you just gave me a great idea. I would love to see a just round your order up option and the round up goes to the tip. If I had like a, you know, like a 5 cent on the end of my bill and there was an option to just hit Round, round up and keep the change. I would totally do that. I think that's a great idea. App developers take well, notice. Yeah, exactly. We'll share the patent. <laughs> I like to really think of this in that that spirit of generosity that a good tip is offered in. And think about the service you're getting. Did they greet you with a smile? Did they remember your favorite coffee? Were they nice or helpful navigating a menu? That There are all kinds of ways someone can provide really good service. And a tip is an opportunity to acknowledge that. It should be that folks who work at this type of establishment, um, you know, often servers who work at restaurants are receiving below minimum wage because their 15 to now really 25 percent tips are supposed to even out that balance. Um, and that's a big debate, as we know, in the restaurant world for how that should be handled. And, and some states are making changes to that to try out different methods and, and different ways of operating the system. But oftentimes when it comes to that deli counter type experience, you are seeing people who are making wages that are at minimum wage because they aren't guaranteed those tips. It's not the same as a sit-down full-service restaurant. And so um, you have no way of knowing as the patron whether or not this person's employer is operating that way or not. They should be, but you just you have no way of knowing whether they're making minimum wage or not, whether or not your tip is supposed to help get them up to minimum wage. In those countered positions, it's usually that they are making minimum wage and those tips truly are the type of gratuity that Dan is speaking of. Stacy, it's completely natural in that moment when you're standing there with someone to have all of these different feelings. And I definitely hope that our thoughts today help you navigate those feelings and feel confident whatever choice you make. His father gives him a $5 bill, a crisp new $5 bill that he received at the bank yesterday. What will happen to it? What will it be used for? What can money be used for? What is money anyway? This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I really loved getting this next question. It's titled, The Shortest Date Ever. The thing I really love about it is that this is someone being reflective about their etiquette like 20 years later. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Some years ago, in my mid-30s, after my divorce, I took my chances with a dating website and decided to meet a woman for a casual date. Since we both lived some distance from each other, we decided to meet at a quiet restaurant about halfway between our residences. We both arrived at approximately the same time and were seated at a table. A waitress took our drink orders and left. 
During the time from the drink order being taken to the drinks arriving, my date informed me that there was no chemistry between us. I asked her to define chemistry. However, she could not quantify this word or phrase in relation to dating. Being a bit dumbfounded by this sudden statement, I decided to remain until our drinks arrived, which was a few minutes later. I should state that she was pretty. She had worn a nice dress and put on makeup and had taken the time to do her hair. After a few minutes of idle chit-chat, she asked me what I was thinking about. I asked her if she wanted a candid response. She replied yes. I told her that I was thinking that if I left right now, I would make it home in time to watch the opening face-off of the playoff hockey game that night. Since I saw this date as a non-starter from the beginning, and quite frankly, being a waste of my time, I decided to leave. With that, I finished my beer, paid for the drinks, put my jacket on, and wished her a good life and good luck in the dating world. I did not swear or raise my voice. I was civil towards her for the full 13 minutes that the date lasted. When I told my male and female friends about this abbreviated date, none of them admonished me for my behavior, but said things like, serves her right, or she won't do that again. Now then, my question is this. Was I wrong for my abrupt departure, or should I have stayed for the duration, knowing that this would never blossom into a serious relationship? And was she rude towards me for blurting out immediately that there was no chemistry between us? I should mention that I met my current wife on the same dating site, and we were married within a year, and still are some 20 years later. I know that this happened quite some time ago, but it still bothers me if I acted inappropriately. I would appreciate your comments, good and bad. P.S. I retired three years ago from my office job and took a job as a parking attendant. There are a lot of idle hours in my daily routine, which is where I listen to your podcast. Keep up the amazing work and telling us how to become better people. Thanks. Tom in Toronto. Tom in Toronto, thank you for your question. Thank you for taking a chance and for seizing, as my cousin said, this opportunity for a little reflection, even if it is 20 or 30 years later. I also really appreciated getting this question for another reason, which is I, I liked your offering to, to receive our feedback, good and bad, that it really opened the door to, to think about this in a few different ways and to maybe even apply that critical eye to really say, was this okay? And could I have done a little bit better and, and approach it with a spirit where that permission has been granted? So I want to take you up on that permission. <laughs> there is something about this that does feel just a little rude to me. And I want to say that acknowledging that the dating world is a complicated place and it is <laughs> difficult to navigate and there's lots going on, a lot of subtleties and intricacy to particularly first encounters, but any dating experience. And one of the stories that I was telling in my mind was a I was calling it a New York dating experience where <laughs> two people are kind of testing each other out. There's a little bit of a sparring going on back and forth. and <laughs> Sparring? I'm just laughing at that. That's great. It's almost economical in terms of the approach in how you give each other time and attention. Is I this going to work? No, the Dan in his head is imagining a New York City, like a big city metro kind of dating, fast times, move it forward, let's get to the right person as quickly as possible kind of thing because, yeah. Exactly. My dating life is very different from what you're describing. No, and, and, and I think that for a lot of people it is. But I'm, I'm sort of I'm trying yeah. to imagine lots of different scenarios. Sure, sure. And Tom's in Toronto. He's in a big metropolitan area. Exactly. 
Two questions. Is it rude just to walk out? I think a lot of it depends on how that's handled. And yeah. you said that you were civil, you were respectful. At the same time, what was the expectation before the date? Was the expectation that you were going to have dinner? If there was an expectation that you were going to have dinner, then leaving before that happened would be rude. Unless there was something so egregious that happened that it was really inexcusable. Like you can't sit across from this person for an hour inexcusable. Exactly. But if you'd agreed just to meet up for drinks for a get-to-know-you touching base in person to test the chemistry and see if it was going to work, then I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with this. Was the expectation that you were going to have dinner built by the fact that you took a table together? Were there other signs or clues that would have given someone pause at your sudden departure? then maybe there was something a little rude about it. I think that it's hard to know without having been there, but I'm getting a sense for your deep and long-term reflection on it that it might have been. Was she rude in saying to you so abruptly, I don't see any chemistry between us? Absolutely. There's a very good chance she was. What do you mean good chance? She absolutely was. I think if you sit there, the first words out of someone's mouth before you even get to know them are, there's no chemistry between us. Whoa, slow down. What do you mean? Okay, thanks for taking the time to get to know me. Clearly, you're judging me on my looks right now. Going to make it hard to keep (laughs) moving forward for sure. Do two rudes make a right? No. Do you respond to one rudeness with a rudeness of your own? The, The comment about the what are you thinking right now do you want an honest response i'm thinking about going home to catch the game the puck drop (laughs) the dropping of the puck whenever you use the construction of do you want to know what i'm really thinking or to tell you the truth some people think that it implies that there are times when you're not telling the truth or that you're concealing things and i think there's something to take care with when you're Responding to someone like that, do you want to know what I'm really thinking? No, I'd rather trade in the deception that you usually use when you're dealing with me. Can be the implied message there also. So that's another place where when you're looking back and saying, was this rude? Was I at my best? Maybe it was the honest thing, but was it a kind way to say it? Was it appropriate in the moment or was the way that you presented it? the thing that was maybe bordering on rude as opposed to I'm the thought itself. Yeah, I'm struggling here. Do you mean that you're trying to say that when she asked, what are you thinking, his faux pas is the moment where he says, do you want to know honestly? I think, That's the faux pas that you're identifying here. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. And and partially that tone that I hear in your voice the way you say it. Because yeah. it's not – Do you want to know honestly? Like do you really want to know what I'm thinking because I'm not loving this right now? <laughs> and even the second time you said I think we're getting closer to actually a tone where it might work. Do you really want to know? But, well, that's but, curiosity. But where it's earnest, where it's yeah. it's it's earnest, curious, genuine versus do, do you, you really want to know what I'm thinking? I yeah, think there's yeah. a lot of tone that I, 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 I'm feeling here that I, I can't assume was in play. But my suspicion is it might have been that there was a little bit of confrontation. Again, this is where my New York story starts to play. <laughs> that there's almost a combative feel yeah. to the way this back and forth like You wanted to get back at her a little bit for the comment that for the rudeness she had dished out. Yeah. So I have a, a kind of different answer for this one. And it definitely comes from being in the, the dating world for as long as I have now. And I like to be generous and think that her nerves probably got the better of her. You know, maybe dating was a little more high stakes for her. Or maybe she's been in this realm for a while and does kind of want to cut to the chase. And if she doesn't feel an attraction to you, she kind of wants to just move on or at least be honest about that. 
you know, you were honest about sitting there wanting to go to a hockey, watch a hockey game instead. She may have wanted to be honest that, hey, look, because one of the things that can happen is even when you are very just pleasantly nice, people then assume that there's more to come or that there is a connection between you. I've faced this many a time. I show up and no, I'm not attracted to the guy who's sitting across from me or a couple minutes into the conversation. I'm like going, this just doesn't feel like the person I want to be on a date with tonight. I choose to stay at least for drinks. I usually make a date um, either to go for a walk or to go out for drinks. And then I usually say something like uh, we can stay for dinner if we'd like to. But it. It's sort of that that space where once I know that I'm not interested, I would rather play out the evening and have a nice time getting to know someone. I am that person who usually thinks you never know if this could be a friendship and I meet someone through this person. You know, that happens a ton. Um, try to be hopeful. Try to try to find that space where you say, I agreed to do this, so I'm going to spend the time doing it. I think you were put in such a tough position, Tom, of basically being told she's like not just not that into you, like absolutely not into you right as soon as you sat down. And as we say, you don't combat rudeness with rudeness. But at the same time, do you then have to sit there across from a person who who was rude to you and who I don't necessarily know? So I look at the action of staying for 13 minutes, having some time to talk with someone, finishing your beer, then being really honest. No, I'm going to go catch the game. I'm sorry. I don't think there was any love lost because she already said there's no chemistry there. Like, I don't think this person is sitting down telling every other person they've dated or, or stories at tables about this one date she went on with a guy named Tom in Toronto. You know what I mean? Like, I think that you could have played the highest etiquette card by not telling her what you were really thinking about leaving, but instead saying, since you see that there's no chemistry, I'd love to just end this date early. And I think that that could be just a way to identify that if really we're you're not here to play and even play for half an hour, then I think we should probably just go. And I think that probably would have been... In my mind, like a really good etiquette tactic for both getting you out of there, letting her know that if she's going to start out with that kind of behavior and comment, then let's let's just this is a non-starter. Let's not do this. You know, I personally would have chosen to kind of ignore it, look at someone with sympathy and say they're probably really nervous. I might not have been what they were expecting. Too bad that this person can't have the attitude of Maybe two or three dates down the line, the chemistry starts. Dan and I were talking about how in both of our dating lives that it wasn't always love at first sight. It's it's not always like that. It's not always an instant connection. I have guy friends who I'm very attracted to after years of getting to know them. And I think that that is something to be said. And, and I, I feel sorry for her that her dating approach is, you know, oh, nope immediately not interested in you. There's no chemistry here at all. Master of sample scripts, I think you got a good one there for getting out of a date like this. 20 years late, but... <laughs> sort of acknowledge that it's probably ending a little early, mm-hmm. but also give your reasons. And to me, that that felt good. And I keep coming back to thinking about how did it feel? And how yeah. did it feel reading about this? How does it feel? How did it feel to be there? How did it feel to do it? Yeah. What was going on between these people and what was the resonant emotional effect? Bad dates happen. We all make mistakes. We all have bad dates. We look back on them. I wouldn't obsess or worry about it too, too much. 
I would also say to myself, how did it leave me feeling? And I think that's a good way to think about whether it worked or not. Did it make you feel good? Did it make you feel bad? Was it her actions that made you feel bad or was it – were there some of your actions that made you feel bad too? And I think that's a good way to reflect and process Either that might way. be useful. Either way, man, 20 years later, he's still thinking about this. That's a nagging thought. That's something where you're like, that interaction didn't go well and it still bothers me to this day. So now I'm going to channel my therapist, mental health counselor, wife. Oh, yeah. And she'll say that sitting with your trauma, <laughs> sitting with your pain, examining it, being present with it is important. You don't want to dwell in that space. Oftentimes it's part of letting it go and moving on. We can also just say that, like, as much as our audience and and Dan and I both believe in trying to make every interaction a good interaction, that there's the possibility for that. But in the the, the millions of interactions that we all are going to have, there are just going to be tons, thousands of them that aren't good. Chalk this up to one of your one of your one thousand not great interactions, you know, and you just let it go. You just move it on. Tom, I hope you've enjoyed our reflection on your reflection of your date 20 years ago. How do you choose a date? Whose company would you enjoy? Woody thought of Janet's and how good looking she was. He'd really have to rate to date somebody like her. Except, well, it's too bad Janice always acts so superior and bored. She'd make a fellow feel awkward and inferior. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Our next question is titled What Son? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. First, love the podcast. Second, hoping you can help me with a truly embarrassing workplace mistake. Today in the kitchen at work, I asked a coworker if she and her son did anything fun over the holiday weekend, to which she replied, I don't have a son. I wanted to disappear on the spot. Background. We just printed copies of a new work brochure that featured unidentified staff with their families, and there is a photo of someone who could be my coworker's twin, and I assumed it was her. To make it worse, my other coworker saw the photo and also assumed it was her. He should know better. He's been here a year. <laughs> I'm just hitting four months. Bottom line, I made an honest, very public mistake, and I feel like a complete jerk. What is the best way to handle this? I apologized and tried to laugh off my mistake in the moment. What else could I do or should I have done? Thank you. Paper bag, please. <laughs> Oh, paper bag, please. Just like we were just talking about, gaffes like this happen all the time. And you say it was a very embarrassing mistake and a, and a big public mistake. You're talking about being in the, the office kitchen. It it might not have been that public. We don't know how many people were in there or who's in earshot of that space. I don't want you to feel too, too badly about this. I do stuff like this all the time. I mess up my connections with people. You know, it's like you, you meet a lot of people and I feel like you end up knowing a lot of people, especially when you stay in your hometown. 
sometimes wires get crossed and I get mixed up and I just forget someone doesn't have kids or that they did go through a divorce or something or you haven't heard. It happens all the time that people make a very innocent assumption. You were asking a positive question. I am sure that she heard that in your tone. I doubt that she thought you were trying to be malicious or make a comment about her not having kids backhandedly somehow. This was an innocent mistake. You had seen a photo of a woman that looked exactly like her with a kid in the company information. It's not like you were stalking this person on Facebook. It's I think this is super innocent territory. And all you have to say is, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I totally had you mixed up with someone else from that brochure. I swear you have a complete doppelganger in that thing. You can admit honestly where your assumption came from and that you're so sorry that you made it. And thanks for clarifying. That makes a lot of sense to me. In some ways at work, we have to count on each other to be forgiving, Yeah, that we are all going to make mistakes. And there's not always a way to put a genie back in the bottle. If you can't apologize and move on, it's going to be problematic. There's also no way of knowing if the guy who's been there for a year would have any clue about people's family lives. <laughs> like, No. <laughs> I think of something like this from a very etiquette perspective, yeah. two tiers. There's the in the moment. I'm so sorry. I feel foolish. Yeah. That might just be enough. If for any reason you think that real offense was taken, if you feel like this is an escalating, if the other person hasn't let it go, if it's happened repeatedly, if there's a reason that this is bothersome for someone else and you get a sense about that, you can always circle back and offer a second more considered apology. Mm -hmm. Hi, Margaret. The other day I made a mistake. I really didn't mean to make an assumption. I wanted to apologize that easy. It's that easy. And it really can be. It doesn't need to be a big deal. And I would really not assume that it's needed. But if you start to get that feeling, if you get that impression from someone, if for some reason you think that it was a bigger deal than we're making it out to be right now. cold shoulder, she's giving you the stink eye. Yes. Go offer a second apology. You can absolutely loop back. Otherwise, oftentimes the best thing to do is move on and start to build and grow that relationship in other ways. Hopefully, no paper bag over the face will be needed. Do you think bringing the problem out in the open would have been justified? Or do you believe that under ordinary circumstances, the problem would have worked itself out? Say, you can't say that. Oh, yeah? Everybody else is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I love our next question. It's titled Pool Problems. Dear Lizzie and Dan, Thanks so much for your podcast. I've been listening since early on, and my husband listens now, too, by default. (laughs) I love that. But we sometimes hit pause to discuss our thoughts on your advice. My husband and I recently moved halfway across the country following a work promotion. Congratulations! We consider it a true adventure, and part of the adventure was looking for a new home. We found the perfect house for us. And even though we weren't seeking this feature, the perfect house came with an outdoor pool. We would otherwise have no use for a pool, but now that we have it, we have questions about 
about entertaining. We want our friends and family to visit us often in our new city, and presumably they would pack their own swimsuits. But what about other visitors? Certainly, when entertaining, we would invite guests to bring their suit if pool time were on the agenda. But having never had a pool before, I don't have an idea of how often pool time is spontaneous. I feel it might be a good idea to provide extra swimsuits in various sizes for our potential guests. My husband finds the idea of used or shared swim attire, well, unpleasant to say the least. I love bargain shopping, and I know I can pick up a few extra swimsuits in various sizes when they are on clearance, so it wouldn't be a financial burden. Pieces are sometimes marked as low as 3 to $5 in some stores at the end of the season. I would choose modest, mix-and-match tops and bottoms so they would be as accommodating as possible. So here are my questions. Is my idea too much? Would guests have no expectations of enjoying the pool if they don't have their own suit? Would most guests also find the concept unpleasant, as my husband does? What if I left the tags on so they know that they are new and not expensive? Alternatively, if they have been worn, are most people turned off by even a laundered swimsuit? I have been a guest at a home where they enjoyed their pool and hot tub and provided extra suits in just this way. I appreciated the opportunity to join in. I'm sure my husband would have declined. Maybe it's a guy thing. Looking at it from the consideration and respect perspectives, I feel it's considerate to offer and then respect the guest's position. Or maybe it's as simple as those guests who know we have a pool would stash theirs in the car until an invitation to jump in is extended. Thank you for considering my lengthy question. As you can see, I've wrapped my head all the way around it and I need your help to unravel. Pool party poll taker. Pool party poll taker. It is a fun question because summer is here and it's time to think about pool parties. Yes. Congratulations on the new job and the new home. It sounds like you're having fun with both. Doesn't it sound fun? I totally, when I first read this, I thought it had said indoor pool. And so I was like, that's a bigger conundrum because all seasons, all hours. I mean, that's like a totally different beast. But this is an outdoor pool. So I'm going to start with guy perspective. Okay, guy perspective. I don't think it's a girl-guy thing about the swimsuits. Okay. I think it's pretty common in the same way you would have laundered towels that aren't brand new that you could have laundered swim attire, that you could keep some extra suits along with your beach or pool towels. And most people, not everybody, are going to think that that is reasonable and even considerate. I couldn't agree more. First of all, I love the last line. Looking at it from the consideration and respect perspectives, it's considerate to offer and then respect the guest's position. If they don't want to wear a used swimsuit, that's fine. Absolutely. I've got like so many thoughts in my head on this Well, your folks have a really nice pool. Thank you for getting me there because I didn't know where to begin. My folks do have a really nice pool and Sundays are pool days at the Post Family House and typically everyone just will text or call and come over. But we also do have a big basket of various sized and styles of swimsuits so that if you want a one piece, if you want one of those one pieces with a skirt, you know what I mean? The the more modest. Um, If you want swim trunks, if you want a bikini top and bottom, any combo that we have, we have a whole bunch of them in a lot of different sizes, big and small, kids, kid friendly as well. And we never had guests, if if they did have a problem with it, they never let us know or they simply declined wanting to swim and dangled their feet in the pool instead. 
I would encourage you that if you would like pool time to be on the menu, absolutely invite guests to bring suits. You can also say we have some here if you'd like one to borrow. It's it's not a tacky thing to offer someone. I understand that people like your husband might feel uncomfortable, but I would just say that it's okay for them to decline the offer. You're trying to provide people with options right now. Um, I would certainly talk with my good friends about saying, you know, hey, do you want to keep a swimsuit at our house rather than in the car? But I don't even have a pool. I have a lake very like two blocks away from me, and I keep swimsuits for people. I keep sweatshirts for people to borrow. You know, it's like I keep stuff on hand so that if someone Someone comes over and we want to go for a swim down at the beach, we absolutely can. So far, I've never had anyone refuse a suit. Any other tips for hosting pool parties besides letting people know it's there and it's an option? Obviously, safety first. Safety always first, especially if kiddos are around. Anytime you have uh, either alcohol or, and not the two like together, kids, I think you really do need to have kind of someone with a, a sober adult eye on the situation just in case. This is one of those like safety etiquette places where if you are planning to invite people over, make sure there's just someone who's playing that kind of lifeguard mindful role. Other than that, I would also invite people to to bring over um, pool toys. You be be expecting a lot of house guest gifts that might be associated with the pool. Um, that's something I know my parents have received over the time: pool noodles or like a golf chipping set, you know, or a, one of those. What do they have? Like a pool volleyball, you know. There's all different kinds of things that you can uh, really get into to make this experience a really really fun one. Pool party poll taker, we hope that this helps and we hope that you enjoy your pool all summer long. And for other Awesome Etiquette listeners who either currently have pools or who used to have pools or who have friends who have pools and see uh, systems and courtesies that really work, please, please, please write to us and share. Donnie likes to go swimming with Duncan because Duncan has been more often and knows what to do at the pool. And both boys remember to take showers before they enter the pool enclosure. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And our first piece of feedback comes from Sarah and is in regards to thanking hospice workers, which was a question we handled in episode 193. Good morning, Lizzie and Dan. I was listening to episode 193 and love your feedback throughout this episode and all episodes. I do have one quick addition to the feedback for the person who wants to recognize the hospice caregivers that are helping to care for her parent. If you feel inclined to do so, you could contact the manager of the person or people who did outstanding work. You could do this in writing, in person, or over the phone. 
OneNote, if you do a group thank you, try to think of specific things you are thankful for about each person's actions to truly show that you see them as individuals who are contributing to the care. For example, you are thankful for Cindy's empathy and thoughtfulness when she did X and Katie's empathy in knowing the right thing to say at the right time. That way, you know that their manager will recognize each person's outstanding work. And the note or call might even give the caregiver an edge for higher performance review rating or even a pay raise. Additionally, you could ask if they have an internal recognition system that you could offer to help with a nomination for a specific employee. In my line of work, whenever my boss hears great things about my work from a third party, it's always well-received and usually makes its way into my performance review. I'm thinking it'd be the same for these workers, and they would appreciate the kindness and thoughtfulness of such a gesture. Just my added two cents, Sarah. Sarah, thank you for that tip. I think it's such a good idea. It really does make an impact when people hear about the good people that work for them or that work in their organization. I I couldn't agree more. I think this is a really nice way to honor someone and the care they've provided. Lauren wrote in via Facebook, bringing us back to episode five. Yes, that's episode five. I just listened to episode five where the question was posed, how late is too late to call? When I run into this problem, I check Facebook and see when the person was last online. If they were online in the last 20 to 30 minutes, I feel pretty safe to call. Also, I love this podcast. I've started at the beginning and I'm working my way through them. So great. We know you have a long, long way to go, Lauren, but we hope that once you make it to episode 196, you're going to love hearing your feedback. Lauren, welcome. It's good to have you on board. Thank you for chipping in. Thoughts on too late to call? This was one where we usually use 9 to 9 as a pretty standard for, I would say, most adults without kids. You could definitely say like 9 to 10 or 9 to 11 sometimes even. I start to think that after 10 p.m. phone calls get a bit, I'm just not sure if they're up or not. I know a lot of people go to bed at like 9 but then stay in bed watching TV or reading a book or something on a tablet (laughs) until like 11 or 12 sometimes. But the nice thing is, is that most of us operate off our cell phones these days. And a lot of people I know will turn off their landline at night so that it's just on silent and won't bother them. They'll set up their cell phone so that only emergency numbers can come through, but they'll put that on do not disturb as well. It's a nice feature. I often complain, Lauren, about the folks that tend to text me at 645 or 730 in the morning. And I'm like going, I'm not up yet. My phone is making noise. So I'm big on setting those rem- alerts or, or setups so that you don't have to get these messages. And I love this extension of the public sphere, right? that if you're out operating on social media, that's a public space. I don't it think is. it's stalkerish to no. notice what someone's doing on social media. And when. And adjust your behavior accordingly. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was good. It's not a perfect indication of when, but I think it's a good starting place. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates, and please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment, where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is about great get-togethers. Yay! In fact, it's about page 174 of the book, (laughs) Great Get-Togethers, of which my co-host and cousin Lizzie Post is a co-author. True, true. My sister and I wrote this book a number of years ago now, but I found this delicious little section on page 174 called Sunday Dinner, an old tradition in a new light. And it got me thinking about Sunday dinner and how that's something that... 
especially American families, tend to idealize. <laughs> Sunday dinner can happen any night of the week. It can sometimes even be Sunday brunch or it could be Sunday breakfast or lunch or something like that. But I grew up in a family that had two parents who both experienced Sunday dinners. My mom's was much more of a, you know, something, some kind of a roast was cooked all day long and they went to church and then they had this like, I don't want to call it fancy, but it was a fancier meal of the week. And it was a little more formal. It was a little more formal. It was a little more like you were really meant to be here. This is our time here. And my mom had that kind of table upbringing. We've talked about it before on the show. My grandmother spent a year teaching each of the kids table manners. It was a formal affair. You, you know, got dressed up even just for dinner. My dad, your uncle, what they would do, so your mom also, they would have um, the, their Sunday meal at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it was a little more casual affair. And then they would all head into the city for New York Rangers hockey game for Sunday evening. So it's really up to you what your Sundays are like and whether they're Mondays or Wednesdays or Fridays or whatever day of the week they are. But we love the idea of of Sunday dinner. I know at my house growing up, we just told tales of the fourth generation, but at my house growing up, it wasn't one particular night. But when we did have family dinner, we always set the table, even if it was a simple setting with just, you know, a placemat and a fork, even if we used paper napkins, stuff like that, we still set the table. My mom, and I later learned that this was a tricks so that we wouldn't complain about food as much. My mom would turn the uh, lights down a bit and light candles. And she really created that table atmosphere for us. And our parents asked us questions about our day and we got to ask them questions or share stories. And you knew that you were supposed to ask if you needed to get up and, and use the restroom for a minute. We didn't grow up in the age of cell phones, so those were never at the table. But we did not take phone calls during our, our dinner time. Or if we did, we let people know, hey, we're doing dinner. Can I call you back afterwards? It was, you know, pretty casual in that realm. But I can remember sitting across from my sister and laughing at stories she was telling from the day. And I can remember learning things from my parents, like the great debate about asparagus being a finger food, which, of course, you know, that is the geeky thing my family would talk about. But it was a special time and it's over a meal and we talk so much about etiquette and gathering and spending good time together. This is one of those things that can foster that in your family or with your friends. I know roommates who do Sunday night, you know, dinners and it's a thing. What's the Dan and Pooja Senning equivalent these days? You guys have a little, little one who's getting ready to be at the table, you know? Well, she joins us at yeah. the table. It's so much fun. And we make an effort to do it. I was just thinking about it as you were talking yeah. On a semi-regular basis, it's not for us. It's not one night a week. We try to carve out that time where we sit down together, mm -hmm. and where we set the table and we say a little grace nice. before the meal. Nice. And I, I, I like the idea of adding a component that's about giving thanks or acknowledging each other. Sometimes it's grace. Sometimes it's a little toast. Sometimes it's just a thought for the table that that, that connects everybody. A thought or just a moment of silence, it does that. It places you in this mental space where you're ready for the meal and the sharing. I liked your emphasis on talk to each other, ask each other questions, yeah. that you include everybody. We include a little Anisha. Of course you do. <laughs> but but that, that you intentionally play the game of engaging each other yeah. and opening up the space for everyone to participate. The other thing that I think about as part of this tradition is that we make an effort to clean up together. Yeah. And that was something that I remember when I was reflecting back on 
our own traditions and the ways that we experience something like this with our parents. I, I remember that stage where it was expected that we helped clean up, that Absolutely. we cleared dishes or that we dried them properly and put them away after dinner. So you start the next day with a clean kitchen, <laughs> whatever our age appropriate role yeah. was. And I, I had very similar thoughts to you. I, I was imagining a current version of this being one where the phones get put away. Yeah. Where not even just they don't ring, but maybe there's not even on the table. They're not there as a distraction. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And you can, I actually like that idea. You can turn the ringers off. You know, And there's nothing wrong with having a good pizza and movie night together. There's nothing wrong with doing those. But this is another way to really spend some quality time together with family and friends. So those were some of the ideas I was reflecting on totally. myself. Personally, I'm so curious what you found in Great Get-Togethers. So in Great Get-Togethers, the tips for a successful Sunday or any day of the week dinner. I love this first one. You keep the atmosphere casual and warm and relaxing. You want the focus to be more on spending time with the people at the table rather than on an elaborate menu or a forced dress code or a forced table setting. I also liked th these first few tips I just thought were so community building. Invite as many people as you can comfortably fit. I love that idea that Sunday doesn't just have to be family dinner night. It could be neighbors coming over. It could be, you know, you and I, cuz, could start our own Sunday family because we don't see each other enough dinner night. I love the idea of being open to guests who ask if they can bring someone. So maybe if you and Pooj were inviting friends up to your Sunday dinner, you know, you would either let them know ahead of time, please feel free to bring a guest with you. Just let us know, you know, when you make the decision so we know how many people to count on. Invite guests to arrive between 1 and 4 in the afternoon. Now, maybe you don't have it that early, but the idea is that most people are headed to work or school the next day. So you do want to keep this dinner somewhat in the casual early time frame of uh, late afternoon, early evening. Keep the menu simple and seasonal, but have plenty of everything. Say yes to help with prep, the food, the cleanup, the works. Serve the food family style, buffet style, or a combination of both. You could sit everyone down to a plated first course and then serve family style platters around the table. Or enlist helpers to plate each course. It's all about lingering. One of the things that I think summer is really conducive to is gathering people for something before the dinner. So it's like, come over, let's play football, or let's do a little chipping competition in the backyard. Let's play a round of frisbee golf, disc golf, whatever it is. Um, maybe it's like bocce. Maybe it's cornhole. There are tons of fun things that you can do. But getting people together ahead of time to really kind of get that slowdown just before the meal or that, that gathering before the meal, I think is great. You could just invite people over to talk beforehand. And also, consider hosting your Sunday dinners on a regular basis. You will be surprised at how many of your friends and family would actually really love something that they could count on. And when you keep it simple, it really can be successful. So I could imagine, for instance, the Post family deciding that once a week we're going to host it at someone else's house. And if you can make it, great. And if you can't make it, that's okay, too. But the invitation is out there and open. And you'll be surprised at how many people kind of pick up on that and decide that that's something they'd really like to do this season. Traditions develop so quickly. They do. And they're so reassuring and so comforting. <laughs> and this one fits into a larger traditional arc or narrative. Yeah. So I think it'd be relatively easy for people to get on board. 
maybe even the people who are there every week. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We hope that this offers you some inspiration for your dinner table and for gathering with your family and friends. You know, so many people are asking how the Millers manage to have so much fun as a family. What's the answer? Is it money? Or is it magic? Neither. It's something they worked out together. We do like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Lori. Another Lori, not the same Lori. (laughs) Hello. I'm writing to recognize a friend of mine who was expecting her first child and had the kindest, most thoughtful note at the beginning of their online baby registry. It read, Feel free to get anything that is not on this list or just give us some advice. We are first-time parents, happy to have any help or new baby gear. I thought it was a beautiful expression of gratitude toward the family and friends who will be helping them and celebrating the birth of their child. Thank you so much for your podcast. I look forward to each and every episode. Warmly, Lori. I think this is fantastic. I just, I loved the sentiment. I thought they did it in a really gracious way. And I think it's a really nice way to take parties like showers that really are about gifts. And that's the spirit. You are showering someone with gifts. It should be fun. It should be that type of expression. We see a lot of showers get very out of hand. And I think having this kind of a line at the top of your registry brings the focus back to any and all support you can give us right now is welcome. I couldn't agree more. Lori, thank you for sharing. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. And remember, sustaining members. Put sustaining member in your subject line or the body of your email. Leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Help us out. Please become a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. And you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris.